Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers. I'm very early this morning. I have an airport run to do which is fun. So Um, Let's pray. We're on Luke chapter 21 today. So, Lord, we give this day to you. We thank you, Lord, that you have planned good works in advance for us to do. Lord, thank you that you want to be with us, your presence overshadowing us. And we just say thank you, Lord. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Luke chapter 21 then. So, we have this quite familiar story to anyone who's been around church or Sunday school. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box and he saw a poor woman, a poor widow, put in two small copper coins and he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. Now we've commented before about the denarius which was a day's wages and it would seem that people tell me (laughs) that a mite was something like one percent of a denarius so that's like one percent of a day's wages and she put two of these coins in which would have been almost a negligible impact on the temple coffers but in terms of what it represented to her, Jesus said, this is what God is interested in, not the quantity, it's the percentage in the sense of how much it impacts on you, and how much it's cost you to give it. And so for her to give this small amount of money may have been the equivalent of um, a rich person giving thousands of pounds. And so Um, And I think that that's just such a beautiful observation is that Jesus and that that Jesus commends her because it's come from that place of her heart in the same way the woman with the alabaster jar and the ointment and she breaks it, pours it over Jesus's feet. It was costly. It it meant a huge amount to her to bring it. And that's what Jesus is commending. He's saying this really is the kind of giving that God is interested in not the quantity although the quantity is great when you're on the other end of it and you're trying to make the accounts balance and I'm sure um, you know many church treasurers have seen these small sums coming in and said oh god bless them god bless them and then they see the big sum come in and they're like yes thank you god (laughs) so in a sense like this but it's the in terms of how God sees it, it's not the quantity, it's where it's come from and what it's cost us. 
verse 5. It's an interesting statement. I'll just say this. Some people think, oh, the church is after your money, blah, blah, blah. They All they want is your money. Actually, God doesn't need your money. And this is this point is beautifully illustrated here. God doesn't need your money. What he's after is your heart. He knows that when you give or when I give, particularly money, it's time, it's money. We can't get it back. Where, where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And so as we give financially, it's the, it, God is getting our hearts really in that transaction. Verse 5, while some were speaking of the temple how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things you see, the days will come when there will not be one, no, not be left here, one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And he asked him, teacher, when will all these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, see that you're not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them, and when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Now this is really interesting, because Jesus is commenting, so the disciples and other people around are commenting on the beauty of the temple. And you'll remember the temple was built by Zerubbabel and Ezra, and they built up the temple when the exiles returned um, back to Jerusalem um, from Babylon and different places they'd been scattered and <clears throat> it was a big effort and tough times lots of faith projects but one of the prophecies was that the glory of the latter house i.e the second temple was going to be greater than the glory of the former house well it wasn't ever specifically said the latter the the second temple but it was somehow implied that there was going to be this greater glory. And so when Zerubbabel built it, and it wasn't even as good as Solomon's temple, leave alone better, people probably thought, mm, I don't know how this is all going to happen. And then Herod clad the whole thing in gold. He extended it. It shone. Josephus, the historian, says it shone from the top of the mountain like you, know, like you could barely look at it when the sun was on it because it shone. Um, as it reflected the sunlight back and it had beautiful white marble which also was like um, they Josephus said it was like snow on the top of the mountain and so it was truly spectacular Herod extended it and made it really big and it, its boundaries went far further than what Zerubbabel had made Herod's purpose of doing it was not to glorify God it was to ingratiate himself with the Jews and um, anyway so but nonetheless the temple has become very glorious from a human perspective but the glory of the Lord as I was saying yesterday or the day before didn't really fill the temple until Jesus himself the Messiah walked in and then suddenly the glory of God has literally come and filled the temple and the presence of God like never before. There he is in person in the temple, but his first job is to turn out all the money changers and all the merchants who are buying and selling and, and exploiting people. 
But anyway, so Jesus is saying, listen, all these stones, everything, everything you see here is going to come crashing down. And they're saying, oh, when's this going to be? The disciples are saying, when's this going to be? And he said, well, there's going to be wars and all kind of conflict and stuff. But the end isn't yet. Don't go rushing after this person, that person who's claiming to be the Messiah. And he said to them, verse 10, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences there will be terrors and great signs from heaven but before all this they will lay their hands on you and persecute you delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake this will be your opportunity to bear witness settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer for i will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends and some of you they will put to death you will be hated by all for my name's sake but not a hair of your head will perish by your endurance you will gain your lives this is really ah this is interesting and challenging and scary and wonderful all it all at once isn't it and this has been fulfilled so many times throughout the 2000 plus years since Jesus said these words and he's so we've number one we've seen wars and conflicts and nations against nation and everything else this has all happened there's been huge earthquakes all across the world in different regions. These things have still been happening. Um, famines, pestilences. I mean, gosh, we just have to name it. We've just been through a pestilence. There's another slightly smaller one, isn't there, lurking around now. Um, terrors, great signs from heaven. All these things have gone on. I mean, just even in the time after Jesus said these things, there were there was the... Um, volcano eruption at Pompeii that kind of engulfed that region in hot lava and mummified people in the middle of their in the course of their lives just their daily lives and so on but these things have been happening haven't they really since Jesus said these things they, they're no surprise to us it's a kind of now we've got global news 24 7 on our tvs we we see these things literally happening and people filming them in real time um but then he says you will be brought before kings and governors and rulers for my namesake and this will be your opportunity to bear witness you remember jesus said you'll receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses and he's saying this being a witness thing we've we've commented on it a few times of late in the saunters about this word martus the word witness is the greek word martus from which we get martyr and we see that following jesus for some literally means they will be shoved in front of courts in front of rulers and kings and despots and that will be their opportunity to kind of tell their story before powerful people evil people all all kinds of people 
And um, he says, don't worry about it. Just settle in your heart that when it happens, you're not going to panic. You're not going to get stressed. You're just going to trust me. And actually, do you know what? My spirit is going to be the one who will give you the wisdom and give you the words to say. And you're going to have such clarity. And I was saying a couple of days ago how much I just love Jesus. I love his answers. The way he comes out with this, this calm yet incisive comment that cuts through all the nonsense and all the rhetoric and all the hostility or whatever prejudice he makes these profound statements and jesus said you know you're going to find that same thing happening for you for i will give you a mouth i will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict well that's precisely what we saw yesterday didn't we as jesus was answering the the um Sadducees and the chief priests and scribes and so on verse 17 you will be hated by all from he said you sorry verse 16 you'll be delivered up and even even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends and some of you they will be put to they will put to death now that is awful things have got bad when that happens but we've seen even in places like North Korea we've seen that happen where the um, government officials come into a school and they hold up a Bible in front of the school children. They say, does anyone here have some a book like this at home? And if the child puts up their hand, then they have a visit later that day or probably straight away. Their parents will receive a visit from the secret police and they'll be arrested and taken and punished or tortured or imprisoned or whatever for having the Bible in their home. And so even unwittingly people have done that, but also consciously people have given up their family members, maybe because they actually disagree with their faith in Jesus or maybe because of intimidation and terror from the authorities. So he says, um, you'll be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends and some of you they'll put to death. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake it doesn't sound great does it it's like why would we want to follow you jesus and then he goes on to say but not a hair of your head will perish well you might die because that's the whole deal but you're not gonna die 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 because you'll be with me forever and ever and ever and ever and he says by your endurance you will gain your lives this is interesting isn't it there's something about patient endurance that comes out again and again and again in the New Testament as we read it. There's something that God admires and values in our patient endurance. And sometimes, even when we're not facing death or the firing squad or something or torture, even to endure through the challenges and difficulties of life sometimes is a big deal. And, and yet we can we can know with a certainty that Jesus is looking on, cheering us on because he endured patiently to the end and he's cheering us on as we endure patiently to the end. And there are some days, I think, many will recognise this, when, when in the middle of a trial, even if it's not direct persecution for our faith, just enduring is, a, is an achievement. It feels like an achievement. Verse 25, and there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. 
people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Now Matthew um, records the same kind of conversation with Jesus in Matthew 24. And Luke is recording it and pulling out different things, emphasising different things. There is this sense when Jesus is talking of the imminent destruction of Jerusalem that's going to happen in 70 AD, where literally everything Jesus prophesied happened. And there is, there is also a sense which Matthew perhaps conveys more of an ultimate fulfilment, which is not just going to happen in Jerusalem, but is still has lots of things that have not yet happened, um, to which are still to come, which suggests they speak of the end of the age, the end of all things when Jesus returns and they are kind of like this ultimate fulfillment of these words of Jesus. And so he says, there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and foreboding of what is coming on the world. Now, I know mental health in young people right now is at an all-time low. Some, I was listening to a report on mental health in young people, adolescent mental health in the US. And they were saying that the figures now were something like 20% of um, adolescents in the US are suffering from mental ill health. There's huge levels of anxiety. Anxiety has become an, a global pandemic. Like we've used that term too many times, haven't we? But it has. Anxiety is out there. It's, it's stalking our young people. And people are fainting with fear and foreboding. People, many people are just thinking, what is the point of life if the, or with all these things going on? But he said, into this context of unrest and turmoil is going to come this sign of the Son of Man, the Son of Jesus, coming in a cloud. They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. We looked at the book of Revelation. Um, also, it's on my podcast. If you're interested, you can listen to I go through it with Pete Milner, my friend. And we have a good look at it. <coughs> I think we probably disappointed a few people in it. We didn't stick to the party line. Or the kind of officially held view of lots of evangelicals. But I think it's complex. It's a complex picture. It's difficult to work out an exact timeline. Although people claim to have done that. But there is definitely <coughs> great upheaval and great turmoil. Approaching the return of Jesus. Um, but there's also, Jesus said, great complacency. He said people will be giving in marriage and, you know, they'll be grinding corn and eating and sleeping and doing all the things they normally do. So it's, it's a paradoxical situation, I guess. But anyway, so Jesus is talking about his own coming and he says, when you see these things happen in verse 28, now when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. I don't know which particular thing we should be 
responding to, but I think in the context of turmoil, in the context of uncertainty, you and I who love Jesus, good morning, Pete, and good morning, Alison, you and I who love Jesus should are encouraged by Jesus or admonished by Jesus to straighten up, even in the middle of difficult times, lift up our heads because our redemption is drawing near. Now, near is a relative term, isn't it? Because we're relatively near to London, but we're a long way from Africa where I live. But I guess if you're in Jupiter, we're very near to Africa. So it's kind of relative, isn't it? And so Jesus is saying, your redemption is drawing near. When you see these things, just remind yourself, just take heart, straighten up, lift up your heads. And he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees, or look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will not pass away, but my, sorry, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Many people have got all complicated about this analogy of the fig tree, thinking it must be Israel. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. It's just a thing, isn't it, that in the spring, the buds come out on the trees and we know that the summer is going to come. It's kind of like a sense of, oh, yes, those warm, long days are not far away. The trees are getting ready in anticipation. And Jesus is saying, you're going to see things happening which indicate to you that my return is near. That think these things are... You're going to see the kingdom of God coming in power. You're going to see me returning all these things that I've promised. They're, I'm giving you signs and clues. And I think even if when people start talking about the end times and they say, oh, this is that and this is the other. In a sense, it doesn't matter. As long as we don't start putting exact dates and saying it's September the blah or whatever and everyone needs to sell everything now and start doing this kind of nonsense. As long as we're kind of just gearing ourselves up and thinking, yeah, do you know what? This makes me excited because Jesus said these things will happen. They're happening that means my redemption's near. I'm going to just stay encouraged. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to press in. I'm going to go after God. Do you know what I mean? Verse 34, he says, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation. That's a hangover, interestingly. Is the word there can mean hangover. It's like that awful headache when you've been drinking. He says, watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with hangovers and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. So Jesus is saying, you're going to have lots of pressures, lots of things happening. Don't get swallowed up with drinking and hangovers and that whole kind of thing. And or... The cares of this life don't get weighed down by them. Now, I'm going to say to you, sometimes the cares of this life are heavy and they do weigh on us heavily. Now, Jesus is saying, don't be. Watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. How do we prevent our hearts being weighed down? We keep our whole lives in context. We zoom out and see the big picture and we think, actually... These difficult days, 
I've had such glorious days walking with the Lord. These difficult days will pass and we'll come into those glory days again. But in the meantime, my faith is that I'm even if I die today, even if this is my last day today, when I die, I'm with him forever. You know, and this is it's a done deal. The difficult stuff has been done by Jesus, all paid for. Hallelujah. And so he says, but stay awake at all times. So, sorry, um, the day will come suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all, this is verse 35, on all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So he's saying endurance. Hang in there, kid, uh, kiddo, and let's push on through because you're going to have that, you, that God will give you that moment where you stand before Jesus himself and it's all over and done with. And every day he was teaching <coughs> excuse me, in the temple but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. So this is Jesus's moment, really. He's in the temple. He's teaching. The glory of God has come into the temple. But at night, Jesus seems to be lodging on the Mount of Olives, which I, I read is a bit of a custom for people preceding the um, Feast of Unleavened Bread and Pentecost and so on. So, um, sorry, Passover. Um, so, uh, right, here's the challenge for you and me today. Whatever situation we're in, however tough it is, let's straighten up, lift up our heads because we know that our redemption is near. We know that the King is coming. We know that our name is written in his book. We know that even if we die today, we're with him forever. This is such good news. Guys, things can get tough, can't they? But straighten up, because your redemption is near. The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, and give you his peace. Take care. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how... The power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him. But more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.